Welcome to the Growing Together podcast, a show for inspiring conversation and practical steps to help your church become the church where all generations thrive. I'm your host, Justin Koo, and today my guest is Dr. Heather Thompson-Dane. She's an interdenominational speaker whose work has been featured in Newsweek, The Today Show, and BBC Radio Live. The author of seven books, including It's Not Your Turn and Confessions of a Christian Wife. Dr. Day currently works as an associate professor of communication at Colorado Christian University. So I'm wondering if you could start us off with a story. A lot of young people have this crisis of faith, a moment where there's questions and doubts. And I'm wondering if, if your experience includes this, or maybe you've kind of always had this, like everything's been great, everything's been perfect, and you've just done the Christian thing your entire life. Oh man, I wasn't expecting that question. <laughs> I am somebody that has always loved God and believed that God was real. I am somebody that has always felt the whisper of the Holy Spirit. So I have always emotionally very much believed God. If if I had doubts or times that I disengaged, it was more because of people mm. that represented what God must be to me and made me feel like, well, then I'm, I'm never going to fit into that. So for example, I was expelled from my small town church school in eighth grade. Uh Oh yeah, that was hard. You know, so that I believed in God, but I did definitely wonder at that time at 12 years old, you know, maybe, maybe the structure of what God looks like is I'm just not going to fit into. Maybe God's not interested in me. Wow. I think I, I'm, I'm glad that you shared that. I, I didn't know what the answer was. So I wasn't no, sure what to expect, but I think that's something that so many young people can relate to. I think what we're seeing, and if, if the book is, is accurate in its research, it's a lot of young people are, are moving away from an organized religion, but not into like atheism per se, but they're moving towards this kind of pseudo unnamed, undefined spirituality where they believe that a higher power exists, but who is it? What is it? Does it care about me? All of those kinds of questions. And I see that being exactly like the, the kind of like caricature of what young people are going through right now. Something's out there, but I'm not convinced that it's the Jesus thing because of bad experience with church. Yeah, totally. And I think, I think as Christians too, we tend to be really concerned. I mean, I hear a lot like this war on religion. We tend to be really concerned about the freedoms of our religion. And I think people who aren't brought up Christian really dislike that because Mm. they see since 2016, you know, white supremacy groups have gone up by 55%. My, I I just had a girl who's, um, her name is Ala Basatne. She was um, a organizer for the revolution in Syria. And they created this documentary about her called Chicago Girl, fantastic documentary about the revolution going on in Syria. And she organized rebel protests on her laptop in Chicago at 18 years old. Wow! So if you showed up at a protest in Syria, you would be killed if you showed up at a protest, right? Or bombed or gassed or something. But if you had a good amount of people, like 200 people, you were safe to go to the protest. So she would, from Chicago, validate how many people were gonna be there. And then she'd tell you whether this protest is a go or don't go to this one because it's not gonna be safe, there's not enough people. Wow. So that's her story. So she just talked to my class last week and I noticed she wasn't wearing her hijab. And I asked, oh, are, have, have you had a change of faith or what's going on? And she said, I don't feel safe to wear my hijab anymore. Mm. She hasn't worn it. 
since she was threatened with a knife by somebody on the street. She's living in D.C. Um, and people just constantly yelled at her and screamed up the street. So I'm saying outside of Christianity, people see Christians' deep defense of themselves and and lack of regard for anybody else often. I'm not saying that's true of everybody, but that's what you'll see a lot of times online. And I think that that's unattractive. Either it's freedom of religion, not just Christianity, or it's not, hmm. right? So it's like, how do we really live out the gospel truth, not just for me, but for you, even if you worship differently than I do and don't believe in the same thing? Like, how do I respect your religion as well and say, you deserve a seat at the table? I think we have to fight not just for ourselves, but for other people. Yeah, that, that's so interesting because I think of... Like, I've been guilty of preaching the traditional evangelistic series multiple times. Uh, and it's something that I, I believe in, in, in general, in, in theory, but I've also seen kind of these challenges of how this type of message has been interpreted by the present generation, where we think that the questions that they're asking themselves is, oh, is God real? Can I trust the Bible? Is Jesus coming soon? How How close is the second coming? of Like, it's all these kinds of these types of questions, but it seems like the types of questions that young people are facing is vastly different. And if they choose to leave their faith, the reasons for them leaving their faith are so different than what's even on our radar right now. I really think so. And I don't think, again, it's about necessarily leaving faith. We know it's like 80% of, at least in the United States, 80% of people believe in a higher power. So again, it's not that most people think that there's not a God or it's a very small group of people that are actually atheists and say there is no God. Mm -hmm. But I think people disagree on what that looks like and how we should live out our lives under this higher power. And what is he calling us to do? And I, I do think the questions of whether scripture is valid is still a conversation because a lot of Christians don't believe scripture is valid anymore, right? So if we don't agree, how do we expect the outside to even care that we're talking about the validity of a book that doesn't matter to them? Yeah. Right. But but so I think it's important that, and as a communication professor, I'll say, I think it's important that we speak the language of the culture and make ourselves relevant to the culture because it it absolutely can be done. Yeah. They're talking about morality. They care about that. They're talking about racism. They care about that. What does scripture have to say about morality and racism mm -hmm. and justice and peace? Those are the messages I think people would still come to in droves, yeah. but Christians to talk about it because it makes even them uncomfortable yes 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 we're talking this episode i guess kind of the working title is taking jesus's message seriously and as adventists i think uh, like we might be inclined to say oh therefore we must take the sabbath much more seriously we must keep the sabbath and all the rules and right it's like well okay yeah that, like that's cool but maybe that's not what is necessarily the most helpful you're talking about uh young people taking uh, Jesus' message seriously, even outside of the context of church, when it comes to racism, when it comes to morality, when it comes to the treatment of other human beings, like this is also what Jesus was about. Jesus, sure, Jesus was about the Sabbath. That's great. But he is also about a whole host of other things that, that it seems as though that the church hasn't really been taking seriously for years. Justin, I am a, I, people can call me a heretic or whatever they want. When Jesus, I believe his mission statement when he stood in the temple was, I have come to bring good news to the poor, right? Mm -hmm. Sight to the blind, set the captives free. This is a statement of, I am coming to bring justice to the least of these. Mm. 
And to me, that message has never been more culturally applicable or attractive than to this particular generation. So there is a disconnect in how we are talking about Jesus and his message as a church and what is relevant to young people on the ground. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that that's that's so good. Like the fact that Jesus is literally like, Hey guys, this is what I'm about. This is what the church right. ought to be about. It seems like we've, we've missed that along the way. We've, 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 uh, I don't know, maybe Protestantism has, has really made this idea of looking at us versus them, different religious camps, like all too convenient. And instead we haven't looked at ourselves as a community, as a, as a people group, as all just one, as all of children of God. Uh, and instead of looking at each other like neighbors, like uh, who is my neighbor question, we've looked at each other as as opponents, as as maybe even enemies. I'm So I'm at a Christian school and I said, this is last week or two weeks ago, I was talking about how we have to alleviate suffering and try to vote for policies that would alleviate poverty. Like, what are we doing as a Christian community? And I had a student say, well, hold on. God says the poor you will have with you always. So I don't, I don't think that that's something that we should be concerned about. Hmm. And I'm like, wow, like this is again, I just feel like such a disconnect in Christianity because one chapter before Jesus says, the, which by the way, he was talking to a woman who was anointing his feet before he dies. Hmm. One chapter before that, he tells the story of when I was hungry and you gave me no food, when I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink, when I was in prison and you didn't visit me, right? What you have done to the least of these you have done unto me. That is one chapter before it. Scripture is so clear that we are supposed to be co-laborers with God, trying to bring his kingdom here, not just waiting for a better kingdom to come by, by just praying and doing nothing, you know? And I just feel like that is, again, if we're talking about Going back to our previous conversation, participatory cultures, this is something that we can be training young people to be effective in. And I think that they, I think that they'd be on board. I, I think that people are looking for some type of organizational structure because everybody feels right now, like, what can I do? Mm-hmm. What if the church was to organize and say, here's what you can do in your community? Here's what we're doing and had really good social media online advertising as to how they are meeting those needs. Let me say this too. I know I've been talking a long time now in our church in Denver, and we have a, a very small church. Um, we start, we've served 130 pounds, no, 130,000 pounds of food every single week out of the church parking lot, wow. 130,000 pounds of food out of the church parking lot. Where, where are you, where are you getting that food from? It's 32,000 pounds. I messed it up. Oh, sure. Out of our church parking lot, we have served 32,000 pounds of food every single week, right? So to me, these are, and and you wanna know what happened? Like we believe in just feeding people. There's no strategy. We just want, you deserve food and COVID is hard and people have lost their jobs. How do we help you? But there are a lot of people that will pull my husband aside as the pastor of that church and say, can you pray for me? My, my son hasn't been in church in a long time. Can you pray for me? At what time is your church meeting? I'd like to come. Like when you meet people where they're at, they're able to start thinking about, this is just Maslow's hierarchy. They're able to start thinking about what other needs that they may have and what other holes they may be feeling spiritually. This this is really good because one of the questions that we had written down for this episode is, if is evangelism dead among young people? And 
I guess, I guess it really comes down to how you define what evangelism looks like, right? Like, I don't know that I really saw Jesus going around to synagogues and preaching like 28 series of messages over a month, you know, rallying the synagogue support to preach the gospel, so to speak. But we did see a lot of what you just described, a whole lot of feeding people, a whole lot of healing people and just being with people. And I don't even know that there's a lot of explicitly recorded instances of Jesus being like, now, therefore, come and follow me. It just seemed to happen as a byproduct. Mm. Yeah, I think if he be lifted up, he'll draw all people to himself. I, I, <laughs> I guess it really is that simple, isn't it? Yeah, I think God is attractive and I think he is still attractive. I will say as far as, so I'm a writer for the Barna Group. And as far as that evangelism question, Generation Z is like the first generation that doesn't feel comfortable. Generation Z is like the first generation that doesn't feel comfortable sharing their faith. Mm. And it's not that they they believe in their faith. It's just that they don't feel like it's right to try to evangelize or proselytize by trying to make convert somebody into their faith. Hmm. So they feel like faith is a very personal thing and it's wrong of you to try to convert somebody to your faith. So that's, I think that's a point that I personally would like to challenge young people on. Yeah. That's what I wanted to ask you is like, that sounds, I mean, that sounds kind of like nice and fluffy, but it also does seem to kind of go against some of the explicit teachings of Jesus. Like go preach the gospel, go make disciples. Right. And I just feel like if this, this is either the best thing you've ever found or it's not. And it's like, if this is the best thing you've ever found, why in the world would you not tell people about it? Hmm. Taylor Swift came out with her new album. I made like five <laughs> Right? I told as many people as possible. If I'm telling more people about Taylor Swift's new album than I am about Jesus Christ, who do I believe in more? Mm. And this is, I think, something we have to all check our hearts and say, do we believe this or not? Is this the best thing we've ever found? And if it's not, let's go back to the drawing board and how do we develop that relationship where we feel that way? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So when we're thinking about evangelism and the goodness of Jesus, and we're tying that together with the participatory culture of young adults, like what are you focused on when it comes to evangelism? Like what's your real strategy moving forward? Is it is it the 28 series of messages with the flyers that you mail out to every person in the zip code? Is it not like what is evangelism to you and your church? I think digital evangelism is the smartest way towards evangelism outside of figuring out what is the needs in your local community and how do we serve it there. So for example, at my church, we are located kind of in like the, the heart of, of Denver, a rougher neighborhood we're in. So one of the things my husband did was he bought a basketball hoop and put it into the parking lot. And he loves to go out there. There's little kids all over in the apartment complexes that will come play on our basketball hoop. And he plays games with them. And sometimes those kids will come to Sabbath school the next day just because of that. So it's, it can be as simple as just how do I help serve this community? Another thing that I want to start doing, we have not done yet, but just we have so many educated Adventists. How are we using their knowledge to just better the community around us? How much better off would, if we just knocked on all the apartment doors, like I've been saying this to my husband, I wanna do this. We knocked on the, all the apartment doors and said, hey, we're having um, this guy over here is an administrator in the school system. And he's going to talk to you about how you advocate for, for your child when they're getting suspended or expelled or dealing with conflict in the school system. So we know that black and brown kids 
get suspended and expelled at a far greater rate for the same instance than white kids. And a lot of it, it's not just racism, it also has to do with parents who don't know their rights and don't know how to advocate for their kids. And so if I call little Billy's mom, you know, and say Billy's gonna be suspended, she's telling me, well, this is illegal and you can't do that and I wanna see tapes and all these things, whereas somebody else's mom doesn't even know that that's available to them. So how do we just train parents on how the school system works. So like, that's something I would love to do out of the church. Hey, on Wednesday nights for the next four weeks, we're having this vice principal come and he's just telling you how you can advocate for your child in the school system. How do we just make people's lives better because we're there?